It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Locked On Panthers podcast. Another edition here with me, Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire. Back with you guys. It is Monday, January 21st. It is the day after Championship Sunday, and we are set now for Super Bowl 53. It is hard to believe that this is it. We are 13 days away from the final game of the NFL season. I mean, of course, you have the Pro Bowl uh, coming up this Sunday, and we'll talk a little bit about the Panthers going to the Pro Bowl, and of course, I'll share my thoughts on what was a wild day in the NFL on Championship Sunday, and look look ahead to Super Bowl 53. But before we get into that, a quick piece of news that I want to touch on first with the Panthers. A little bit of scheduling news for 2019. Of course, we had already talked about the opponents for the 2019 regular season for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, we, of course, don't know any dates yet. We just know who who teams are playing and where. But the NFL has just announced the five, that's right, there will be five international games this season, four in London and one in Mexico. And it has been announced that for the first time ever, the Carolina Panthers are headed overseas. They will play a game in London next season And it will be a divisional battle. They will take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And luckily for the Panthers, they will be the road team in this game. The Buccaneers will be the quote-unquote host team. So the Panthers will not be losing a... Will not be losing a home game uh, to play this game. And uh, we know that's always one of the kind of key things that uh, you know fans or whoever worry about when playing these international games is the po- possibility of losing a home game. But as it turns out, the Panthers will still have their eight home games. Again, we don't, we don't know any dates yet or anything, but uh, we do know now that the Panthers will face the Buccaneers in London. Again, that's one of four... One of four games taking place next season in London. Two of the games. And we also don't know which stadium it'll be in. Because we know it'll be... Two games will be in Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium. And the other two games will be at Wembley Stadium. So, of course, down the line we'll find out which stadium they'll play in. Uh, The other games that will take place in London next season. It'll be the Chicago Bears... Taking on the Oakland Raiders. How about that matchup? Khalil Mack in his first game against the Raiders. It would have been very interesting had that game still been in London or still been in Oakland or wherever the Raiders are going to play next season. 
Uh, but nonetheless, Khalil Mack will get to face his former team in London. So that'll be uh, very, very exciting to watch. The Cincinnati Bengals will also be going to London. So, of course, if you follow my work, you know I contribute a little bit over the Bengals wire. This means I'll be covering two London games next season. Obviously, I don't think I'll be going to London, but it will be interesting to see both the teams I cover playing in London. The Bengals will take on the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and, of course, so it's very possible that the Bengals could be heading to London to meet the Super Bowl champions if, of course, the Rams win it. But nonetheless, the Bengals playing the Rams, and I believe the Bengals play the Patriots next season in the regular season as well. So I think the Bengals are playing uh, both both uh, Super Bowl participants. And then the final game in London will feature another team that will be making their first ever appearance in London, that being the Houston Texans. They will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars, as, of course, the, the Jaguars uh, had always been playing home games. You know, they had that deal to play all those home games in London. So this time around, they will host the Texans. And then a divisional matchup will also, will also highlight the trip to Mexico next season, assuming, of course, they're able to play the game in Mexico, unlike what we saw last season. It'll be the Kansas City Chiefs again in what would have been their second straight appearance in Mexico. I, I guess maybe in a way because of what happened with the Mexico game, maybe this is a kind of a makeup for them allowing those teams to get that international experience again. Uh, but the Chiefs will be playing in Mexico next season against the Los Angeles Chargers. So uh, three, that means you have three divisional battles among the five international games next season. And again, Carolina and Houston going for the first time. That'll leave the Green Bay Packers as the only team left to have not played a game in London. And again, we'll find out uh, likely when the schedule is released in April, uh, when that game is and which stadium that game is. And there's a quote here from Ron Rivera. He said, quote, I've had the chance to play and coach in London before, and those were unbelievable experiences. He's talking, of course, of his time playing in London with the Bears in the 86 preseason, and he was there with the Chargers when he was an assistant under North Turner in 2008. He also said, quote, the fans are outstanding, and they have such fervor for the game. It's a great opportunity for our franchise and for our players and coaches to get international exposure. And actually, yeah, a good point. If you look at the article on uh, Panthers.com, as we know, the Panthers have a player that was born in London, or grew up in London, that, of course, is F.A. Obata. So that's, you have to imagine this is going to be very, uh, assuming he's on the team, of course, but this will be very uh, heartwarming for sure to kind of go back home and play in uh, play in London with the Panthers, again, assuming he is on the team. But So that's kind of the big story right now with the Carolina Panthers. Once again, they will head to London next season. They will be the visiting team 
against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and new head coach Bruce Arians. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm personal price plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. So with that thought in mind of the Panthers traveling internationally, let's go back a day. Let's talk about the wild day that was Championship Sunday in the National Football League. We'll start in the NFC where the NFC South champion New Orleans Saints were eliminated by the Los Angeles Rams. And if you were following the Panthers' Twitter page, uh, needless to say, the Panthers are really happy that the Saints were bounced from the playoffs. But, boy, obviously the the headline of that game was the non-call of the pass interference Late in the game, that would have given the Ram or would have given the Saints a first down and basically given them the opportunity to run the clock almost all the way down and kick the game-winning field goal. Uh, but Nickel Roby Coleman was not flagged for pass interference, and he himself basically thought it was a penalty. He he pretty much admitted that it was pass interference and thought there was a flag, but there was none. Uh, Sean Payton. If you heard his press conference after the game, said the league, you know, he, he was on a call with the league office and they told him that they blew the call. Uh, yeah. So obviously, let, let's talk about the call, get that out of the way quick. There's, it's obviously it was passing their fans. I mean, I, we all saw, it, we all know, we all can tell how blatant the passing their fans was because he flat out shoved, uh, shoved the receiver way before the ball got there. I mean, it, it's just amazing that they they didn't call the flag. And obviously plays like that are going to grab the attention. And, you know, there's already articles saying that, you know, the wrong team won. And I understand that, you know, there's, there's definitely justifiable reason for that. And uh, some of the New Orleans papers – basically made a play on the fact that the, the 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 call was blown but i also think about how the saints kind of mismanaged the clock a little bit and you know obviously we'd be talking differently if some of those passes were complete but it's still a little surprising maybe not as much on the third down play because they were going for the first down but certainly on the first down play after the 2 minute warning that they threw the ball. You would think they had at least run the clock down or at least make the Rams burn their timeouts uh, to 
you know, not give them as much time as they're driving the ball. And as it turned out, there was only about 20 seconds left on the clock when the Rams uh, kicked the kicked the uh, game time field goal to send it to overtime. You know, so there's a little bit of a question there. Uh, there was the question of you know settling for field goals early in the game. Remember, the Saints had two quick scoring drives, including one off and uh, I believe an interception of Jared Goff. And they had to settle for field goals on both drives. So instead of jumping out to an early 14-0 lead, it was only 6-0. And oh, that dreaded fake punt reared its ugly head again. It's pretty crazy now that this was two weeks in a row that a, a fake punt was run in a playoff game in New Orleans. And the team that ran the fake punt won the game. You know, it's... Our, not... not now it's going to be like the question is, our team's going to run more fake punts because they saw the Saints basically win with it against the Eagles and the Rams did it against the Saints. Uh, so our team's going to run more fake punts. But, you know, in that situation, it, it's it's like I tweeted at the time too. You almost had to – it's a spot where you almost had to consider doing it no matter what if you're Sean McVay, if you're Sean McVay because you're already down 13 nothing. And we we all heard that crowd. They were loud, uh, especially whoever that fan was with the whistle. I mean, that place was rocking. You had to do something to try to quiet the crowd down, and that fake punt was perfect. Uh, and then, of course, it ends up being 13-10 at the half, and... You know, you're also looking at situations where the Saints are facing some third downs and they're running the wildcat. And you've got Drew Brees out wide and you've got Taysom Hill in a quarterback. I think the Saints got a little too cute at times. And you could argue those are some of the things that bit them in the butt. But again, I'm fully aware that the, the uh, headlines are going to be the blown call that more or less cost the Saints a chance to win the game. But then let's remember, too, that the Saints did get the ball first in overtime, and the Rams came, came, the Rams came away. I'm always tripping over my words. Sorry. The Rams came away with an interception. It wasn't necessarily on Breeze because the ball was tipped, but nonetheless, the Rams got the takeaway, and then Greg the leg. I mean, what can you say? A, a, 57-yard 50, field goal to send the Rams to the Super Bowl. I mean, that that's just crazy. 57 yards in that situation, you know, in New Orleans with the Super Bowl on the line. You know, if you miss it, then the Rams or the Saints get the ball back. Uh, what, near, near midfield? Yeah, because they they would have got the they would have got the ball at their own forty seven, so then they would have only needed about maybe twenty yards, if that, maybe even like fifteen, to set themselves up in field goal range. So that was a huge kick, a clutch kick, to win the game, win the NFC for the Rams, and so they are going to the Super Bowl where they will meet uh, the old. 
the evil empire, as it were, the New Orleans, or yeah, the New Orleans Patriots, the New England Patriots back in the Super Bowl for a third consecutive year and fourth time in the last five years. And shout out to one of my one of my great buddies, one of my best friends, Mark Schofield. Uh, go check him out. And of course, listen to Locked on Rams as well. Brad Madden for his thoughts on the Rams and Mark Schofield on his thoughts on the Patriots. But a special shout out because, again, you know, Mark's done a lot for me over the years. So, you know, I'm forever grateful for his friendship. So go listen to him. But, wow, it, it's like it's almost like it's getting old hat, isn't it? Three years in a row. And four out of five, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. This is only the third time that we've seen a team reach three consecutive Super Bowls. The last time was the Bills when they made it to four straight Super Bowls. And that was in overtime as well, too. Uh, First time ever that both conference championship games went to overtime. Just a, a wild day and... Obviously, the argument now, you know, all the talk after the game was the fact that Patrick Mahomes never even got a chance to touch the football in overtime. And I've been a proponent of going with the college-style overtime. But on the other hand, too, for those that are arguing about a quarterback not getting a chance to touch the ball, we did kind of see both sides of the fence Uh, on Sunday because we did see both Drew Brees and Jared Goff touch the football in overtime in the NFC game, whereas in the AFC, of course, the Patriots just stormed down the field and punched it in just like a a surgeon. They just picked and prodded at that Chiefs defense, and was it Rex Burkhead, I believe, punched it in for the game-winning touchdown. 37-31 was the final. Um, just a fantastic game, though, on on both sides. You know, Patrick Mahomes definitely showed that uh, he's a star. You know, the you give him the ball late in the fourth quarter, a chance to take the lead, and Mahomes drives the field, and gets the Chiefs into the end zone to give them a shot to win. It's just unfortunate that the defense couldn't hold them. Uh, the the Patriots converted a lot of third and longs. In fact, I saw the numbers on SportsCenter. The, the Patriots were 6 for 6 on third and 7 plus. That's an amazing stat. I mean... What's one of the key aspects of a football in winning a football game? Converting on third down. And to not only convert on third down like that, but to convert so many third and longs. I mean, there's one of your key differences right there. Uh, To convert six third and longs like that. Is just ridiculous, and you know, for as much credit as we gave the Chiefs' defense, that's going to sting, and it's obviously going to be a long off season in Kansas City. You know, first time hosting the AFC Championship game, and they come up short. But again, here we are again, three years in a row now that the Patriots 
are in the Super Bowl now. I found this stat interesting, at least it's something that, you know, I don't know if anyone else mentioned it. It's just something I kind of thought of. But this is now the third rematch, as it were, that the third different franchise that the Patriots will have now had a Super Bowl rematch against. Uh, we know, because of course they've played the Giants twice, and then last year was the rematch with the Eagles. Now it's almost coming full circle. Uh, It's actually funny, too. The the first three Super Bowls, um, or three of the first Super Bowls were the Rams, the Eagles, and the Giants, and now that's kind of gone in reverse over the last ten years, the Giants, the Eagles, and now the Rams. It's almost like it could be coming full circle for the Patriots. Um... playing in the Super Bowl against the team that it basically all started against was the Rams back in Super Bowl 36. Uh, and of course, the storylines are already starting to pour in. Uh, Brady versus Goff, you know, and kind of your basic ones. Belichick versus McVay, you know. I think one of the exciting parts now of Super Bowl week is going to be Super Bowl media day. I mean, Super Bowl media day is always fun, but uh, I think... Sean McVay's presser is definitely going to be one to look forward to. You know, what kind of detailed scouting reports is he going to give on the Patriots' defense? Uh, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. Those are going to be fun to watch as well. I mean, who knows what's going to come out of their mouths uh, for that hour. You know, Jared Goff, now in the spotlight. You know, it's it's obvious... Obviously, this whole thing has come to fruition. You know, it started with the Rams basically giving the Kings ransom to the Titans for the number one pick two years ago to get Goff. And then, of course, McVay comes in and you bring in all these free agents. And let's remember the kind of free agency spending spree that the Rams went on to really bring on in all this talent, not just signings, but trades, you know, guys like... Dominic and Sue, you signed for one year. You traded for Marcus Peters. You you decided to keep Lamarcus Joyner over. I, I I think that's when you when you look back at this Rams off season or this Rams season, you look back at some of the decisions. That's obviously going to be one decision. I think that's really going to be you know people might not talk about it much, but that's going to be one decision. I think that you look back and be like, wow, they really hit the nail on the head, and that was the franchise tag. LaMarcus Joyner and let Sammy Watkins walk in free agency. And it's allowed players like uh, Josh Reynolds to step up. You know, obviously the the acquisition of Brandon Cooks was a, a big play there as well. You know, and I mean, there there's, you know, you, you're really seeing the talent all start to blend together for this Rams team, and it's really starting to pay off, and obviously one more win, and it's really going to validate everything that the Rams did this offseason. Early line right now, at the first line I saw was actually Rams minus one. Now that's changed to about uh, Patriots minus two. So it looks like as of now, the Patriots are the favorites, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at this point if the Rams go into the Super Bowl, like come Super Bowl Sunday, they go into it as 
the favorites. Uh, but obviously, it's it's going to be a, uh, a. I think we're looking at a very good game here. Uh, I'm really excited to see what kind of game plan McVay comes up with for that Patriots defense and how Wade Phillips is going to attack Tom Brady. You know, and that that's the nice thing about these Super Bowl matchups is you have two weeks to prepare. It's not just one week. You've got two weeks to to prepare for this game. So it's going to give these coaches a lot of time to really come up with something to get after the other. I think we're going to be in for a fun one on Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I'm not ready to make a prediction just yet. Uh, I probably won't do that till probably next week. But right now, I'm, I'm just saying I think we're in for uh, a very f- – a very fun Super Bowl, especially with it being indoors in Atlanta on the turf. Um, well, I mean it's a retractable roof, but you know I'm sure wet weather's obviously not really going to be a factor uh, in Atlanta there with the roof. So, going to be a fun time, and of course we'll you know talk a little bit more about it as the game gets closer. Uh, but before we get out of here, I will. Mention briefly the Pro Bowl, as of course we have one last shot to see a couple of Carolina Panthers, including one that was just added to the Pro Bowl roster, and that's Kwan Short. He is headed to the Pro Bowl, replacing Aaron Donald. As of course, uh, all the Rams and all the Patriots that were in the Pro Bowl now will not play in the Pro Bowl, since of course they will play in the Super Bowl. Uh, So this is the second Pro Bowl selection for short. The first time was uh, 2015, but of course he did not play in that Pro Bowl because the Panthers made it to Super Bowl 50. Uh, Trey Turner. So it'll be K1 short and Trey Turner going to the Pro Bowl. Of course, Luke Keekley was... Originally going to the Pro Bowl, but he decided to withdraw from the Pro Bowl. So again, it'll it'll just be K1 Short and Trey Turner going to the Pro Bowl. Again, Luke Keekley had some kind of injury, not really sure what. So he he came out of the game. It'll er, yeah, he came out of the Pro Bowl. It'll be uh, Leighton. He was replaced by Leighton Vander Esch, the exciting rookie linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, one more note, uh, and I feel a little disappointed saying this, but um, due to weather and you know issues with traveling, things like that, uh, I unfortunately have not been able to make it to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Uh, but obviously a lot of the people that are down there, like the guys over the draft network, John, Trevor, Kyle, Joe, uh, Mark Schofield, all those guys, follow them for uh, all their live thoughts at the Senior Bowl. Obviously, I wish I could have been, wish I could have been down there, but you know things happen. It was, uh, you know, we were worried about the storm, didn't know how the roads were going to be, so I kind of played it out, but. Um, you know, things happen, but uh, we'll certainly talk about the Senior Bowl and a couple of players 
that'll be down there. But um, again, just a little unfortunate. I am hoping to, you know, I'm still holding out hope that I can make it to Indianapolis in about a month for the scouting combine. It would be my first time there. Uh, and then, you know, certainly next year I'm going to do all I can to get back to Mobile. But uh, again, you know, a little unfortunate, but, you know, things happen, life happens, uh, but we'll get through. Uh, so with that, I think we'll wrap it up here on this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. As always, follow my work over at Panthers Wire and Bengals Wire. Follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. Uh, follow the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your listen pleasure. Uh, and, of course, you have a smart speaker. You can tell your smart speaker to play podcast and whatever podcast you want to listen to. Uh, you know, obviously excited to be part of that as well. So until next time, Bill Rossetti saying to keep it locked, keep it here, locked on with me on LOP. And that may not have been the greatest outro, but hey, it's all good. As always, appreciate the support and take care. We'll see you next time right here. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.